0: You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. It is our relationships that are a primary controller of our health, of our vitality, of our mental health, for sure and our overall success in life. Our relationships even have a dramatic impact on our finances, on our spiritual well-being. The list goes on and on. There isn't a domain of our lives that our relationships are not impacting and impacting very deeply. But primarily, it is the relationship that we have with ourselves. So, our external relationships, and in particular our romantic relationships and our internal relationship These are of the utmost importance today, especially at a time when there is so much turbulence taking place in the world. Everything is very polarized. People are isolating themselves, literally, not just figuratively, but isolating themselves. And we're zoning into our devices. And also our mindset is creating this place where we have this political divide taking place, right? In the name of politics, there's this us versus them mentality that is ringing true right now. Where instead of being united as humanity, we are, they're wrong, we are right in every imaginable way. And the reality is that's simply not the case. If there is one entity here, it truly is team us as humanity and us being able to relate to each other in a healthier way is going to help to move us forward. But that cannot take place when we are so bent on the other side being wrong. And it's creating all of this infighting when we're not allowing ourselves to be compassionate, to lend an ear, to lend a space to someone that we might not agree with and be able to find common ground so we can find what connects us, which here's the truth, so much more connects us than what separates us. And being able to access that takes a level of maturity and takes also a level of self-assessment to see the blind spots that we might be carrying. To find a place where even that idea that they agree with, where it might even ring true. And having the opportunity for us to be willing to be wrong, to be willing to change our point of view, these are all healthy qualities that take work. But again, it starts with having a healthy inner relationship with ourselves. Now, the root of the word relationship dates back hundreds of years, and the origin of it actually means sense or state of being related by kindred, affinity, or other alliance. Now, what we think about in terms of relationships today, it's often in terms of our intimate relationships, which there's definitely an alliance or an affinity there as well. But also, I mean, really, every human interaction that we have is a relationship. Every interaction that we have, period, is a relationship. Whether it's with our pet, whether it's with The room that we're in, it's all a relationship. And here's the thing, we are connected to all of it. The room that we're in, we're a part of the room. We're a part of that tapestry. We're a part of that that landscape now. It's integrating. And taking this out further and understanding the power that relationships have and how we can put ourselves in positions where the environment is going to create more of an affirmative relationship, or we can be in an environment where That relationship is more disruptive. But here's the thing, and this is one of the things I want you to be able to take away from this today is that we don't ever have to be a victim of our environment. We can bring it to it. We can bring the light to it. We can bring the wholeness to it. We can bring the happiness to it. We can bring the the problem solving to it. We don't have to be a victim of our environment, but we are, in fact, still going to be relating with it. Even if you don't like the environment that you're in, you're in relationship with it. Even if it's mental, you're still relating with it. If you're just thinking about something, there's a relationship there. So we can go from the very granular to where you are physically, to where you go in your mind. Because that, even though it's something that's not necessarily tangible, but well, then we can get it to the domain of like, every thought has tangible aspects to it. But just thinking about a thing, thinking about a scenario, a person, a situation, you're relating to it. And so I want you to begin to think about What are you choosing to relate to? So this episode today is very special because we're gonna be diving into this subject matter and looking at the very root of where our relationships are springing from. Because where we are in our relationships is not by any means an accident. And I've got one of my really good friends on the episode. I'm so grateful to be able to have her on because I haven't seen her for a while. And she dropped in for this very special conversation and it's, again, it's one of the most important things of our lifetime because the root of the problems that we're facing right now as a society is at its core, a series of relationship issues. Humans not relating well to each other, not being able to perspective take and to have a healthy relationship with oneself that we're not picturing our negativity and our biases onto other people. I can go on and on and drill down deeper on this. But truly, by getting ourselves healthier, we're going to be able to build healthier relationships with others. Right now, we're existing in a state where there's a lot of, we have epidemics truly of poor health simultaneously taking place where hundreds of millions of our citizens are experiencing poor health in the form of various chronic diseases ranging from heart disease to obesity. You know, here in the United States right now, we're almost at a point where 50% of our population, right now it's the latest numbers say 45% of our population is now clinically obese. And within the next few years, we're gonna hit 50%. Something is, is, is broken, something is off because this has just happened in the last couple of decades. Whereas prior to this, this simply wasn't an issue in our society. And this is opening the door for all manner of chronic and infectious diseases to become more present in our lives, you know, because this is increasing obesity. This is the thing about obesity is that it's tied to upwards of about nine out of 10 of the leading cause of death in the United States, whether it is heart disease or diabetes or liver disease and the like. And so once we understand that, once we can get ourselves physically healthier and mentally healthier, we're creating a new landscape, a new environment that is more inviting of empathy and compassion. It's not that when we're in a poor state of health that we can't have compassion. We absolutely can. It's just such a deeper drain and requirement of energy to be able to do that. Because all of these things, especially when it takes work, it's going to take energy. When it takes work to extend yourself and to conversate with somebody that you don't agree with and not just express anger and and vitriol, it's going to take energy. And so to access that energy, to cultivate and have that energy, we need to get our ourselves and our families healthier, our communities healthier, physically and mentally healthier, doing that inner work to have a healthy inner relationship. So again, really, really excited about this episode. Now, the first time that I met our special guest, which is well over a decade ago, she was really a mover and shaker in the realm of nutrition. And we really connected on that point. I remember being at an event. And I was there with my wife and we were hanging out and she actually brought a Vitamix with her. Not, not my wife, but my special guest had a Vitamix that she had brought along with her. So we were in her room making smoothies, talking about nutrition and all these cool things. And you know, it's just one of the great things about her, it's just the diversity of things she's been involved in and the ability to continue to create wonderful things as well. But even in that moment, we were adding a green superfood blend to our smoothies. And this is something I encourage everybody to do today because it's so simple and it's a clinically proven way to provide our body with an abundance of micronutrients that are becoming increasingly deficient in our food supply, right? So we have this concept in our culture of a quote, multivitamin, which is often through synthetic means to create that product. Your DNA has not associated with these synthetic versions. Of these nutrients, we've evolved having these nutrients come from real foods. So how about we get a superfood concentrate, but not just that, we're talking about the best stuff, organic, cold processed, and super green nutrient-dense foods like spirulina, chlorella, but in a way that tastes good where it's combined with other adaptogenic nutrient sources like ashwagandha, a little coconut water, and just having a, a refreshing minty flavor to it. I'm talking about Organifi green juice. Spirulina is over 70% protein by weight, one of the densest sources of bioavailable magnesium and rare compounds like phycocyanin, which now we have peer-reviewed evidence demonstrating how phycocyanin is able to stimulate the production of new stem cells. It's a process called stem cell genesis. And it's just remarkable, like Cheerios can't do that. This is incredible that this food has this capacity. Go to Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. And you get 20% off their incredible green juice formula. All right. They also have an amazing red juice blend and their Organifi Gold is just absolutely remarkable. Head over there, check them out ASAP. This is how we truly revitalize our bodies and flood our tissues with bioavailable nutrients. Go to Organifi.com forward slash model. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Authentic, Meaningful, and Delivered with Love and Respect by Epiphanenium I'm a retired educator,
1: principal of 38 years, and I recognize a gifted teacher when I hear one. My husband and I learned about Sean when we heard him interviewed on Dr. Mark Hyman's podcast. We immediately looked him up and immersed ourselves in his videos and podcasts. I've gone all the way back to the first one because I don't want to miss a thing. Our lives have been positively and profoundly impacted by the information he shares. I'm also grateful that he delivers his content with respect and love in these challenging times. It's fresh air and sunlight.
0: That's so special. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that over on Apple Podcasts. That hit my heart. I appreciate it so much. And listen, if you yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for The Model Health Show. Make sure that you're subscribed to The Model Health Show. Hit the subscribe button. Some folks tune in to the show every week, but sometimes they miss episodes because they're not actually subscribed to the show. And of course, you could subscribe if if you're listening on Spotify or any other podcast medium. You can actually rate the show on Spotify now. So that would really, really help. If you're listening on Spotify, please head over and rate the show. Give it the best rating possible. I appreciate you so much. And now let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Now, this episode is for the lover in you. This is for everybody. No matter what kind of relationship you're in, you're gonna get some value from this episode. Our guest is Shalina Ayana, and she's the founder of Rising Woman, a growing community of more than 3 million readers. She has years of experience in relationship therapies and more than 30,000 women in 146 countries have taken her flagship program, Becoming the One. And her new book by the same name is now available, Becoming the One, and it's wonderful. And we're gonna dive into that right now and provide some game-changing insights about our relationships with the amazing Shalina Ayana. Shalina, welcome to the Model Host Show. So good (laughs) to see you again.
1: Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. It's been a while. It has, a few years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you're somebody who you've always supported me, mm. you know, and I appreciate that. You're just a really special person. Awesome. And this book, listen, I want everybody to know that this episode is one of the most important subject matters, period, because our relationships affect, I believe, every aspect of our lives and it's kind of like the linchpin Mm -hmm. for our health our mental health you know um, obviously our success in life requires these relationships and so you know i just got to kick this off by sharing Mm -hmm. the first page i was like no she didn't you're just gonna get right to the point you said that when we operate from our past wounds or seek external fulfillment we might approach dating and relationships as if they're a performance. Mm -hmm. We show up in whatever way we think will impress the other person or keep them interested, but we can't win someone's love by pretending to be someone we're not. And I made this little action figure thing Mm -hmm. here. I know it kind of looks like a cup of tea, like a hot cup of coffee. That's actually a brain exploding emoji that I drew. (laughs) I'm a terrible small cartoon artist (laughs) But man, it's just like, it's getting right to the point. So what, let's unpack what this means mm-hmm. because immediately it just made me think about in relationship context today, when folks are looking for love, in a sense, we have a representative yeah, that we put forward. And this is really getting to the heart of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think so much of our culture really does tell us that, There's somebody outside of us that we're waiting for to come and complete us and make us whole. And so we've all sort of been wandering around with this idea that, you know, I'm looking for my other half, like I'm half a person. And we also have a lot of these beliefs that we're broken somehow. And really, when we're operating from that place, there's no way that we're actually going to call in a healthy, aligned partner because we don't know who we are and we don't know what we stand for. And so a lot of this book is really a reclaiming in relationship to self. And knowing that when our relationship to self is anchored in truth, then our relationships to everybody else will be anchored in truth, yeah. right? So it's that foundation that we live from.
0: That's facts. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, and I think other people wonder as well, this is called becoming the one, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like some Neo vibes <laughs> as well, but ultimately you bring about the fact that the most important relationship that we have or will ever have is the relationship we have with ourselves. Yeah. So can you share, like why did you make that the, the emphasis of the book?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I've, like I said, there's so much media influence and cultural influence that tells us that we're waiting to find the one in order to be happy, but actually it's the opposite until we are happy within ourselves and we recognize that we are whole, we won't be able to create those kinds of relationships that we want. So it's shifting from fantasy to reality, but in a really beautiful way, right? Cause there's actually so much more magic and medicine that can happen when we're anchored in reality. And when we can say, here's who I am, here's what I stand for, here's what I value. And and we go out into the world from that place where we're emanating our essence and then the right people can really come into our lives. And I had so many experiences through childhood and and growing up in really dysfunctional, chaotic environments that shaped my experience of love and relationship to be really chaotic and dysfunctional. You could almost not even call it love, right? It's just repeating trauma patterns. And it's been such a huge journey for me to figure out, okay, what is at the heart of this? You know, if I really want to be in relationship, if I really want to experience love and family and connection what's in the way and so much of that for all of us is really our past wounding our stories our walls our guards all of the defenses that we've built to protect our hearts because along the way we learned that that's what we had to do and i think ultimately relationship is the the greatest gift right like we're literally here to be in relationship if we're not in relationship what are we here for Like we know that our health improves when we're in a relationship. We know that one of the leading causes of depression is loneliness. And that's not just to say romantic relationship. This is just friendship, family connection, community. Like it's literally wired into us. We need it to survive. And yet we don't prioritize it or we approach it very nonchalantly. Like we just fall into relationship. Your life partner, your romantic partner, that is such a big decision, Mm. right? But we don't actually set a foundation for that we don't prepare um and i want to change that
0: yeah that's like the way you even said that that's it's remarkable because we're not we abandon logic in a (laughs) sense when we when we're doing the relationship thing you know and love has its own logic emotion has its own logic and this is even speaking to the communication and connection that we have just within our species you know like some of the conflicts that i might have with my wife Mm -hmm. which you know she's my best friend you know she's amazing um but it's me i'm a very i tend to be very logical and like analytical and just you know that's just how i roll Mm -hmm. and you know she might have something that i'm just like that's not logical but using that language with her and also me saying that ultimately if i really want to pick this apart that's not a logical statement for me to say it's not logical because Mm -hmm. her emotion has a logic to it,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know? And so, but I think it's kind of like, uh, we fall, like, like you said, we fall into it. We fall in love.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Are you going to get up though? You know, like, it's just (laughs) like, so coming into it as more of a complete person, and this is what you're really advocating Mm -hmm. because I think that, and let's talk about this. One of the things that folks experience consistently is this, pattern like you, you even said the word pattern of being in the same type of relationship or attracting the same type of people it might not be exactly the same but the same trauma pattern so yeah. let's talk a little bit more about that specifically what a trauma pattern is
1: mm-hmm. yeah well most of us have a script that we're we're living out right we're, we're running on a story that we either inherited or that we began to create when we were very young and usually that conditioning has happening in our first family environments like what are we observing about love and about connection and about communication and safety and you know are we safe to express ourselves are we not all of these things and we eventually you know we become adults or at least we have adult bodies. Mm-hmm. And oh, and then we end up in, you know, these romantic partnerships where, you know, we don't realize it, but we're actually wanting to resolve some old wounds. We're wanting to get complete on some of those things. And especially we're wanting to be seen, heard, and understood in the ways that we didn't feel like we were when we were young. And the challenge is, is that when we attract partners, they almost always mirror our wounds and they're usually opposite to us in some way. Like even you know, how you're talking about you and Anne. And of course, you know, Ben and I are the same. It's like, I'm more emotional. He's more logical. So it's like, he's more head, I'm more heart, but we have to come together and understand that. And ultimately these are containers for growth. But what happens is that we just play out these patterns where we see our partners as our enemies. And that sounds really extreme. And people will be like, I don't think that, but it's like, look back at your past relationships. How many of those ended uh catastrophically and did you blame them for everything or how many relationships have we ended because we felt like there was just something wrong with that partner and we were out looking for the one right because oh you're just not the one and really these are these are trauma patterns that are playing out and again too a lot of the times we can experience things like repeated rejection or abandonment or everything will feel like abandonment because we're conditioned for that and that was a big part of my story, right? The abandonment wound and that awakening around it was what catalyzed this entire journey for me. Um, and maybe later I'll tell you a story about that because you were you were a part of that, actually. Like I called you when, when I was in that.
0: Mm, I remember, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like even that there was a connective tissue there, you know, for me to even receive that call. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, to even, I know you, but, to actually know you mm-hmm. in these pages was just like it really I felt it and I I I actually felt I think a lot of people have that similar thing in some kind of like in it so the emotion hit because it exists in me too. Yeah. So can you share that? Let's let's share where that ab- that abandonment the root of it was mm-hmm. for you.
1: Yeah. For me it was I mean m- my story is long so I'm going to I'm going to you know summarize here but when I was born, you know, my mom, she was 22 and she was struggling with very complex PTSD from childhood trauma of her own and severe mental illness. I never met my father. Um, Our first debut into the world was being snuck out of the back door of the hospital at 2 a.m. because we were on the run. And so, you know, I often say like, I'm a runner, but it's, it's not a joke. It's like, it's, it's in my, in my nervous systems. Like I'm still working out that pattern in life. Um, And so when I was three, my mom dropped me off at a foster home in in the middle of the night. She just kind of packed me up and then took me uh, to this house and I didn't know where I was. And then she drove away. And I just remember like screaming and yelling. And, and then, you know, other things happened um, in that environment that, you know, caused trauma for me. And then, you know, throughout my life, you know, sometimes I'd be with my mom and then sometimes I'd be back in foster homes for long periods of time or she would get sick and I didn't know and she would be in the hospital you know getting treatment for six months at a time and i wouldn't see her i'd just get dropped off at some stranger's house and um she would be gone
0: and you really loved her
1: i did and i i love her and i'm so grateful to her for this life and um at the time you know i didn't understand what was going on and i just really you know i wanted my mom and so when i was around 12 i kind of got into trouble you know i was the awol kid there was a police officer assigned to my case um they like i got a birthday card from my police officer <laughs> you know like they they knew me in that town that i lived in yeah. and i was known by social services as the awol kid because it was like i was never where i was supposed to be i was always running away wow um
0: i would people would never <laughs> know that if they see you you know no. like wow
1: no and that's the thing is that we don't really know people's stories until we yeah. really like open our hearts to them you know but yeah, it was it was a wild time. Like I was drinking and doing drugs and partying. And by the time I was 16, I was out on my own working two jobs and homeschooling myself. Um. So, but yeah, that's like that story of abandonment. So you can see how like I was destined to attract chaos in my relationships, you know, and I had no foundation for what healthy love looked like or no understanding that I could consciously choose a partner based on my values. Um, because I was living in survival mode, like so many of us. And so we end up in these relationships that are just all we know, right? It's where our nervous system is vibing at. And so uh, I remember when I was in my early 20s and I went through a divorce and it ended in betrayal and my cat (laughs) disappeared and uh, my ex at the time just took off with someone else. I lost everything, all my business, my money, everything. And then to top it off, my abandonment wound was so triggered, like I was so back in that state of being three years old that I gained like twenty five or thirty pounds in a matter of a month. I went and got my hormones tested. I had none left. All I had running in my body was cortisol. I broke out in like a rash and acne like all over my body. My face was swollen, like I'd wake up in the morning and I couldn't open my eyes. like I was sick and it was so much my wounding it was like i hadn't let myself feel all of the pain that i had buried so deeply like i had never felt pain in my life like i just bypassed it all until that moment and then it all came and my body couldn't handle it and i remember calling you i was like i need help like what do i do like i need (laughs) give me a diet plan or a workout plan and you gave me some funny advice too at that time um and i was just i was just about to meet ben as well Um, Mm -hmm. at that time but yeah I was really grateful to have you know friends that I could call to support me through that but it was just really incredible to see how much the body can respond to our traumas and our pain Um, and you know those are patterns that will keep playing out until we do something about them you know we have to do the work so that we can enter into a healthier dynamic
0: that's so powerful I mean I love this this another thing that you talked about in the book that was just like I stopped for a moment and mm-hmm. just sat with it is that you know during these times it's actually one of our greatest opportunities it's like a great gift because that the the the, the wound is so sensitive you're willing to do something it's like an opening for action potential mm-hmm. because you want to get better it's, it's very much like it's very much like a physical problem mm-hmm. you know a health crisis when we have a traumatic issue in our personal relationships, there's an opening there for us to take action. Because when things are rolling along, this is not the time you're gonna do the inner work necessary to you know, heal your abandonment issues that are causing just repetition and pain and continuous problems. You're just kind of chucking along through life. But when something happens, when there's a break, it's like an opportunity. So same thing with the health crisis. Oftentimes we're just skating through life until boom, you're, ne- you're never gonna be out of pain again. You know, mm. that was my diagnosis. You're gonna be in pain for the rest of your life. Yeah. You're never, you'll never walk normally again or, you know, you have cancer, mm-hmm. whatever the diagnosis might be for somebody that oftentimes sparks the opportunity. That's when people wanna do something about it, Yeah, you know? So I'm, I'm saying this for folks that are listening that are dealing with heartbreak. Or that have heartbreak that is imminent coming Mm up. mm -hmm. You know, like that's an opportunity. It's an opening Mm -hmm. for change. And that's really what happened with you.
1: Yeah. And you're so right. It really is that pivotal moment, whether it's the health crisis or the emotional crisis or all of them all at once. Um, I think as humans, there's something about crisis that really cracks us open. And it's in those moments of shatter that we are ready, you know? So when I get women coming to me who are at their rock bottom as much as I can hold that tenderness and be empathetic I'm also excited because I'm like you're ready and you have no idea like you have to go through this dark tunnel right now and it's going to be painful as hell and it's going to suck and on the other side of this you're going to know yourself more deeply like you're going to have everything you need to create the life you actually want to create Because you haven't self-abandoned, you know, because when we hit these moments of loss or of breakup or we're just so tired of hitting that same wall in our patterns over and over again, we really do have a choice. Like there's always a choice and a lot of us will choose to numb it out. Like we'll just like go binge Netflix. We'll just eat everything in sight. Uh, We'll use substances, shopping, all of those things. And, you know, I've done those things too. And we can also go into it and we can we can kind of let it take us. And we can just like surrender to it and and just go into the abyss and let it transform us. And if we take the path of numbing, chances are, you know, we'll find somebody new and for a time they're going to look really exciting to us and they're going to be the one. And then maybe 3 months, maybe 6 months, maybe a year and a half later, what do you know? We're right back where we started. And the illusion of the one is once again shattered. And that's what happens when we just don't want to take a look at how our patterns are showing up in our lives versus, you know, we do it a little bit more consciously. And yes, you're still going to have the illusion shattered. No relationship's perfect. But chances are you'll have called in a partner who's willing to ride those waves with you, Mm. you know, because you rode those waves
0: first yeah Mm. oh man surfboard (laughs) totally (laughs) you know this reminds me of another thing that you talked about which is essentially you know in our relationships for the average person it's on the job training you know like we are showing up already seemingly fractured we don't realize the wholeness that we are and we're just kind of you know we're kind of crash test dummies for ourselves and running into this person, running into that person, and figuring stuff out along the way. But ultimately, when you finally achieve lasting happiness is when you realize that you literally don't need someone to say or to do something for you to be okay. Exactly. Often in in the world right now, we we want the other person, we want the person to just say what we want, do what we want. We might lie to ourselves Mm -hmm. and say that's not the case. And we really, and I've I've done this as well, which is like, we just want them to say the thing, you mm-hmm. know, like, I, and also feel like I shouldn't have to tell you
2: yeah, yeah. what I
0: want you to say, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And it's because of this very romanticized programming that we get. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's seeing relationship as something to give to us versus a container in which we are growing together. Like, I I give the example of a power grid versus a vacuum. Like, in a vacuum relationship, we're just like taking it all, and then where does it go? Like, nothing comes back unless the vacuum's broken, and then you want to throw it out, right? You don't want a vacuum spitting all of its crap back out. Or you have a power grid where you're both like creating this abundance of energy and then it's giving to the community. And I see a relationship that is on purpose as something that is fueling us both to be more of service because that's really ultimately why we're here is to be of service to our fellow humans. And so I think relationship really has to be about truth and about honoring ourselves and seeing love as a container for growth rather than, you know, validate me, give me what I want, tell me what I want to hear, um lose yourself in me essentially and let me lose myself in you so that we can become this like little glob, you know, moving through the world which isn't really that healthy. In a in a healthy relationship, you're inevitably going to have conflict. You're inevitably going to have difference because if you're being true to yourself, you're not always going to agree. You're not going to be the same. And there's medicine in that. Like we can balance each other out. We can learn things from each other. You know, we can expand our perspectives. We can heal. And uh, and the media doesn't really demonstrate that very well. And most of us didn't grow up in environments where that was the case. There's often these unconscious contracts in family systems where everybody agrees to play a certain role. And if you try to step out of that role, you're not welcome, you know, or you're put back into your place. You know, you've got the, the quiet one, the scapegoat, the loud one, the bad one, you know, all of these roles. And, uh, and then in the media, it's like, what do you see? You see this intense, hot passion. That's also totally disturbed. (laughs) It's like chaotic roller coaster. Um, and so we're kind of conditioned to think that healthy love is boring when actually I think boring can be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> like what we think of boring love. Like for mm. me, like, you know, just the day-to-day being with a partner that you love, enjoying life and being able to celebrate the small little moments, you know, to me, that's highest success in relationship. It's about remembering that it's not about these big extravagant rushes. It's about allowing yourself to experience happiness and contentment day to day you know
0: that's what that's what actual life is, yeah, you know, like a successful relationship that's what it is, mm-hmm. but we don't see that glorified. You know when you mentioned media in our examples, I thought about like it just came rushing into my head all of these Disney movies mm-hmm. where we have the the, the person who needs to be rescued yep. and the rescuer, yep. you know, the, the rescuee and the rescuer relationship and how we're programming our children. Like if you want this relationship, you're going to have to rescue her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're her rescuer. You're her savior.
2: Yeah.
0: And for, you know, the other side, it's just, you know, like you have to find that person who's going to save you mm-hmm. from your demons, from whatever you've been through. And man that is crazy like it's freaking me out. Yeah. It's it's in so many movies.
1: I know. And I and I love all of those old Disney movies like when I was a kid I loved them all and I also see how like the conditioning there is really rough. <laughs> you know, I'm like I don't think I'm going to put that on for my kids because yeah just the the patterns that we're learning from from those movies is you know I mean we see it in our in our reality now and and that's another part of self abandonment that We don't really talk about very often is how so many people are conditioned to save and to rescue and to leave their center to make somebody else feel better but ultimately that can be a really selfish act as well because we're just trying to get rid of our own anxiety of like what's it going to feel like if i have to say no to this person and they're going to be upset with me or what will i have to feel inside of myself if i don't focus all of my energy on trying to fix or caretake this person. And instead I have to focus on what's going on right here and now. And I can really identify with that, right? Because from the moment I was like two years old, I was caretaking my mother. Like she'd come home and she would be, you know, drunk and I would make a bed for her on the bathroom floor and like bring a cookie sheet with toothpaste and, uh, you know, a toothbrush and like want to brush her teeth for her. and. Um, so all my life, all I knew was caretaking. So of course, I attracted partners who played the helpless role. And I played this like, I'm, I've am i got it all together. I'll take care of everything. Uh, and But ultimately, you know, those types of dynamics, they usually end in betrayal. Because if we're in this helpless, you know, rescuer dynamic, the person who's playing that helpless role, they have no choice but to eventually try to individuate from you. And how does that usually end up, right? They have to go out and find themselves, and oftentimes it ends in a really painful way. And then you're like, "But I was, I gave everything to you. Like I took care of you. Like how could you do this to me?" But like the higher thing would have been to just say, "You know what? I see you're struggling right now, and I know you're going to figure it out. I trust you. I love you. I'm here, but like I'm not going to save you." And I think we got to learn how to do that more in relationship. We really want to empower each other instead of enable each other.
0: There isn't mm-hmm. a Disney movie for this yet. No. <laughs> we'll but will have to write one. You know, and by the way, I, I don't want folks to be like, we can't watch Cinderella
2: now, Sean.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> you can watch Cinderella, but now it can spark a conversation. You can have context. Don't just put the thing on for your kid to like have that go deep into their psyche and yeah, without totally. any context. Yeah. You know. But um, you know, it's 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 wonderful to see how things are evolving right now. And like I said, I really do believe that this is the most important subject matter for us to be talking about, mm-hmm. even though like currently worldwide we're experiencing what appears to be on the surface a health issue. But this is all of the dissonance is really the undergirding aspect is a, disrupted relationships yeah. with people, yeah. people who are hurting themselves mm-hmm. and people who are, you know, with, they're, they're operating in relationships where they're creating you know, um, incl- inclusion of certain people, but the exclusion of others and all these other principles ba- that are really based on fear. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and until we get healthier relationships, create cr- help to generate healthier humans, we're going to keep falling into these same patterns. Mm-hmm. And because of your book, it sparked a whole, like, for hours, I went into this rabbit hole of research and you know, I've kind of like flirted with it years ago. And like mm-hmm. it's just it's there in my mental Rolodex, but I'm just like, oh no, I've gotta check out where we at, where mm-hmm. where are we with the science on this now? This was published in Neuropsychopharmacology, and they were looking at the environmental influence of our past trauma mm-hmm. that is getting passed along to our offspring. Yeah. And the data is thick on it now. Mm-hmm. Like literally. The stuff you're going through
2: yeah. and
0: not addressing is getting passed on not to just to your offspring, but to their offspring. Yep. And this particular study, they also is were uncovering that positive experiences help to nullify those things and helps you to pass on, you know, healthier genetic imprints for your kids mm-hmm. as well. So it's not like you went through stuff in your life. And it's, it's, it's been a lot of bad stuff. I'm going to pass this on to my kid. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. You can do something about it right now by focusing on healing. So, you know, I'll throw a screenshot of this study up for everybody, but there's so much on it. And, you know, this is just one of the many things that you covered in the book. And I want to ask you about this. You said in the book, you were talking about how our bodies and minds need to integrate the truth that we are capable of creating healthy relationships, regardless of what we've experienced or witnessed in our lives.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, we have to have that integrated into our body. What yeah. do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's interesting that you brought up that study because that's something that I've gone deep into as well. Because, you know, anyone who has had family trauma or past trauma, and I'm sure you can relate to this, like having kids can be scary because you want to protect them from everything. Um, you want them to have such a better life than you had. Um, and, ultimately the best thing that we can do is heal ourselves so many of us we are afraid that deep down we're broken and that there's nothing that we can do or that we can't heal or that we're the exception and so a lot of times that's because we're focused so much on you know mindset and and positivity and empowerment work and i'm not saying that there's no place for that of course there is i there's a place for that in my life you know in my early days you know 10 years ago when i got started like that's where i started out but my patterns weren't changing because in the body and in the deep depths of my psyche i still believed that i was broken and unworthy in some way and so we have to go slow right we can't just like overwhelm ourselves with all of this positivity we can't bypass by just telling ourselves that we're going to manifest what we want we actually also have to nurture our bodies to accept that it's okay to move forward and so in somatic work we know that the tissues and the nervous system actually store memory and store information and so simple things even like noticing how you feel when something happens in you know, a traumatizing situation and actually moving the way that your body wants to move uh, or, you know, air punching and kicking or, you know, going for a run if all of a sudden your body feels like moving. These are the things that we do to move through our experiences rather than just holding onto them in the body. You see it like an animal, they like shake a lot. I noticed, you know, my dog Bodhi, whenever he has like any type of stressful situation, he shakes right away. And we are always like, yeah, shake it off. Just get rid of that stress. Um, But we have learned to sort of freeze um, and self-protect. And of course, that's a valid survival instinct as well. Though eventually we need to find a way to uh, move that trauma out of the body. So I often talk about somatic experiencing work for that, where you work with a practitioner and they actually help you hands-on um like holding your kidneys and holding your organs and letting your body release and i've had crazy experiences doing that like laying on a table and someone's holding my kidneys and i'm actually feeling cramping and pulsing and releasing and then all of a sudden i'm actually hearing and seeing what pattern is being released from that organ not everybody's going to have that kind of experience a lot of people go and they they don't really feel anything on the table but after they notice changes um so there's no right way to experience it but it's very important to remember that our bodies are intelligent Mm. and um, to keep moving. So I often say, you know, go for walks, you know, be in nature and really let yourself feel safety again, you know, relearn what it means to feel safe Mm. and instead of trying to trick yourself into Mm. feeling safe.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's obviously a big, that's super easy to fall into today, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's so much, you know positivity messaging
2: mm-hmm. uh, obviously
0: it's trying to counter all the negative messaging totally so the the intention is is of a higher frequency but the truth is it can be very superficial mm-hmm. you know like we've got to be able to embody the fact that we can be ourselves yeah like that can be like that can take some serious integration and serious work mm-hmm. because we've been in es- essentially indoctrinated that you have to put on a performance and you gotta be somebody else that you're not. Yeah. Especially in the context of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Like I said at the very beginning, you you have a representative that you're presenting, you know, and that's the person that you're wanting to hook up with. They're meeting your representative.
2: Totally. They're
0: not even meeting you. Yeah. You know, because you've read some articles like you gotta play these little, you know, do this little thing or whatever. Or, you know, of course just hiding out Mm -hmm. from the world because of whatever you might have been through in your life. Mm So giving yourself the grace to know that, you know, integrating this into your body where you really know, like, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that you matter, that you Mm -hmm. are significant Mm -hmm. and you don't need someone else to affirm it. Yeah. You know, so I want to ask you about, you mentioned that somewhere along the way, a lot of people learn that they have to sacrifice themselves Mm -hmm. in order to be loved. Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just talking about. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, so many of us have learned that, right? Like I said, in our family systems, uh, in the culture that we live in, in workplaces, it's like we're always, we're doing the thing that we think we need to do to get paid or to get approval or to, you know, get validated in some way. And, you know, especially, you know, for those of us who grew up in tumultuous family environments, usually there were parts of ourselves that we were not allowed to show or share in order to stay safe, right? And a lot of times that's our emotional side or our anger, which is our boundaries. So how many of us learned that we can't set boundaries, right? Because it's too dangerous. I mean, we've just internalized that, right? And so we're literally self-abandoning every time we're in a relationship because we don't have that tether to you know, it's okay to say no and I'm allowed to ask for what I want and my needs are also important. You know, And so we see a lot of people in relationship where they're saying, oh, my relationships don't get past three months or, you know, I keep getting cheated on or, you know, they keep getting bored and then just ghosting. And of course, you know, there's lots going on with the person who's on, you know, the other end of that. No doubt. This isn't a blame game. But my question is always, were you showing up fully expressed? Like, were you showing them your truth, your anger? Like, were you being boundaried? You know, because in my experience, when a person shows up fully authentic and they know who they are and they have boundaries and they have things that they love and that they're passionate about, we're just drawn to those people, Mm. right? We're just like magnetically drawn in versus when you can feel that a person isn't being truthful or that they're holding back or that, you know, they don't feel like they belong, you know, then you can feel that too. And so... We really have to look at the ways that we are not honoring ourselves in order to try to, to get love. Because the kind of love that we're going to get when we're selling out like that, it's not real. If you have to change who you are, if you have to put on a mask, if you have to dim your light in order to be accepted, like that's not the kind of relationship you want. And I'll tell you, the kind of partner that you do want is the kind of partner that's going to get turned on by your no and by your fire and by your edges, you know? Um, I think we all like a little challenge (laughs) and a a good, healthy relationship should challenge you. It shouldn't be easy all the time. It shouldn't always be yes, you know, and there should be some negotiation. And I think that's part of what keeps the spark going is both of us showing up truthful, even when that means that there might be conflict.
0: That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, that's another thing that we don't see modeled is the fact that, Real people in the real world, conflict is a natural part of, especially a a relationship where you're in close, close, close context and content with each other. Yeah. All the time, you're going to have moments of dissonance. And that's actually good because Mm -hmm. what we would expect based on our programming is that this relationship, if it's good, it just stays that way, Mm -hmm. right? Happily ever after. That's what we're taught. Instead of understanding that, a a really great relationship requires growth yes you've got to get better you know and using those opportunities you just tripped me out when you said that anger anger being that the expression of boundaries yeah in my childhood in my atmosphere it was all anger Mm -hmm. it was all anger all the time yeah so that led to a the opposite position, where I'm not letting people in because mm-hmm. of my boundaries. Yeah. That. Why are you doing this? You got me <laughs> like this is stripping me out, you know. And so, when I finally met after all of the, the you know not letting people in and all of the you know people along the way,
2: mm-hmm.
0: when I finally met in, mm-hmm. I was just in a position where I realized something, and I realized at a triggering event. When mm. I was a kid, mm. you know, my first, a quote, girlfriend, like official girlfriend, yeah. you know, I was a football player. She's cheerleader. You know, <laughs> we had the whole yeah. storybook type thing going. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of drama happened in our lives, like personal lives outside of the context of ourselves. It was kind of like a safe haven. But, you know, she even like her, her house blew up. Like Whoa. it's such a crazy thing for me to even say this, yeah. you know, but she lived pretty close to the school that we went to. She wasn't there, Mm -hmm. you know, she wasn't there that day. And she lost, she had three brothers. She lost two of her brothers Mm. and the other one was badly burned. And, um, you know, so going through that as a kid, I'm like 15 years old, 14, dealing with that. And like, how do you support? And other things were going on too, but eventually like her mom was wanting a clean slate. She she moved, she moved them to another state and, you know, kind of fractured our thing. And so it's just like, but even through that, we had turbulence. And I just felt like I can't I can't love somebody again, like mm. and have me so broken. Yeah. You know, but I didn't realize it at the time. And I was just like, honestly, I was like, I'm done with love. I'm yeah. not gonna put myself in this position again. Already, I my boundaries were there, but I let this person in. Mm-hmm. And so for the next whatever, five, seven, eight years or whatever it was, that's I was all boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then I realized. And this is when I was working on myself, getting myself healthier, mm-hmm. and getting myself healthier in my in my thinking as well. Because my physical transformation that took place, it was also a big result of my mental transformation. Totally. And I realized that if I'm going to have, I had a great model for a snippet of my life, which was, was my grandparents. Mm. That imprint was there, and if I was going to have a love like that, I had to let somebody in. Yeah. You know, and so I just happened to meet her at that time, wow. because if she jokes about it. Like, if I would have met her a year earlier, mm-hmm. like you would have been here today, God, the <laughs> But I was just like, I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, and willing to do the work necessary. And so she had to deal with also that 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 boundary thing yeah. that I still had, of course. Yeah. And for her and her culture is the opposite. Mm. Like, you don't express anger. Yeah. So guess what's gonna happen uh-huh. if I'm just being a little fiery?
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: it's just like, it's a big deal. Totally. Where yeah. I'm just like, I'm just talking like this is just how we talk. And now like it's melded. Yeah. We've evolved to where I'm less of that, you know, and I have it though. I have mm-hmm. it on tap if I need it. I bet not you do. In the, con- <laughs> in the context with her. Yeah. And she's become more like she's opened her and even invited her mom into the, you know, like her mom talking shit. You yeah. know, and, which is just amazing to see. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know, and um, but to see that all of our emotions have value mm-hmm. and they're healthy and they're helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, guiding us to where we want to be. So, um, thank you for bringing that out because yeah. I never really thought about it in that context.
1: Well, before. and I love that you shared that story too because that's such a good example of how we heal together in relationship and how we also attract people who have the opposite wounding, right? Like for you, anger was like that's that's the thing and for her it was like no anger and so what you expressed there was that you guys really taught each other something because you alchemized those lessons and now she's probably got a little bit more fire and you have a little more water because then you bring in those elements in and that there's a difference between boundaries and walls like we want to have boundaries but we don't want to like keep people out we don't need like an electric fence around our hearts right. even though i get why we would have those you know
0: A nice moat. Yeah. Get a nice moat going. (laughs) You need a drawbridge to get in. (laughs) So, you know, and just as a little caveat too, because I and I want I want folks to realize that, you know, if you've if you've had difficult circumstances in your childhood or even in adulthood, yeah, you are the norm. You Mm -hmm. are normal. Yeah. because folks who have a healthy modeling as a child growing up, and you talk about this as well, that's the exception, not the rule. And for those folks, that's beautiful. Like embrace that. It's no need to be like, well, I'm not a part of this conversation because I had a great childhood and a great modeling from my, from my parents. What we want to do is encourage more of that. Take what you know, express more, keep that healthy modeling going mm-hmm. and understand what you're, what you're giving to your offspring. And, you know, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. So I just want to to share that little tidbit. But I want to talk about, because you get very granular Mm -hmm. in things and and a healthy relationship or a healthy inner relationship. And you outline what some of these ingredients are Mm -hmm. in building that healthy inner relationship. And I want to go through a few of these. One of them is building confidence and Mm self-trust. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. When we don't believe in ourselves, when we don't trust our inner instincts and our, our red flag, you know, gut messages where something feels off or something doesn't feel right, then we're more likely to allow situations that are not serving our highest good. You know, when we aren't confident, when we think that we're less than we're more likely to draw in people who will take advantage of us or who will, you know, belittle us and and not see us in our highest light. And, Again, it's tough with this stuff sometimes because people might hear that and think that, oh, it's my fault that I was victimized, but that's never the case. That's never what we're talking about. But what I am saying is is that the energy that we're carrying and the beliefs that we're carrying about ourselves are going to show up in the people that we let into our lives. And we have to be able to trust our bodies, to trust our guts, and to really be connected to ourselves so that we can say no when we need to say no. Or like a classic example is somebody who really wants to be in a relationship. If you really want to be in a relationship, but you don't think you're worthy, or you don't think you're good enough, or you don't have confidence to to listen to your body, then you might just say yes to anyone who walks through the door. Right. Cause maybe you don't think anyone else is gonna choose you, versus knowing who you are and having the confidence and the clarity to qualify a person. Mm. So it's like going from this the being in the seat of waiting to be chosen versus I'm the chooser here, right? So I'm going to choose whether or not this is a relationship that I want to engage in versus going to a date and saying, oh, I hope they think I'm pretty and I hope they like me and you know, I hope I don't say the wrong thing so that they'll want to be with me. How do you even know if you want to be with this person? You haven't asked any questions. You haven't qualified them, mm-hmm. right? Do they align? And so I really invite people to tune into their bodies and to really listen. Like, how, do you, how does your body feel? right now when you're with this person like do you feel relaxed do you feel constricted like is it easy for you to laugh together you know like how in yourself are you right now or have you just left the building Mm -hmm. and and so that's really one of the first things that we want to take a look at you know if we're in that process of looking for partnership
0: i feel that there is life finds a way Mm -hmm. and there's always going to be conditions that help to bring out the qualities necessary literally down to the very essence of what life is on this planet and right now we're experiencing a massive issue where there's so much disruption and people have a gut feeling mm-hmm. about what's happening in the world and outside forces are saying don't listen to that mm-hmm. you know suppress that we've had multiple examples of course through our through our experience here on on planet Earth, but a big example is happening now mm-hmm. because I think that in recent decades, our the greatest capacity that we have, or one of the greatest capacities we have as humans, is to be able to listen to that inner guidance mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. which is like the most important thing. It's yeah. like your true your 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 internal navigation, and we see that in other species. We're like, oh, those birds know how to do a great triangle. Yeah. like you know, like everything else knows what to do mm-hmm. except us yeah and nothing could be further from the truth we got to this point because we're able to listen to our intuition our instincts and so now we're getting a chance to rise up mm-hmm. and to really listen to our inner guidance system and stop negating it
2: mm-hmm.
0: and also stop you know when that is 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 coming up when our when we're getting that gut feedback to try to logically ignore it or logically yeah. talk yourself out of it mm-hmm. So you know, I think it's just it's a necessary thing. So I believe that all that's happening in the world right now is just because it's a it's a balancing act. Yeah, you know, it's like some crazy stuff going on. Did you see that explosion underwater? Explosion, the volcano erupting. They could see it from space. Did you see that thing? No. A, a, f- a few people that I've talked to haven't seen it. It was it was like here today, gone today news. Like literally, they okay. can see the explosion from space, and it was massive. It like sent ripples around the globe. Wow. Right? And so like maybe that's something to be concerned yeah. about versus our little problem, you yeah. know, just like this little tiny thing is happening in our life, but it yeah. seems like it's gripping and it's so important and it's yeah. like my life is falling apart mm-hmm. and it's it's minuscule compared to the grander scheme of things, you mm-hmm. know, and the beauty and the balance that life has. So I'm saying all that to say <laughs> that, you know, I think that man, your book is so important right now. And I'm not just saying this like truly because it's directing us to the most important work. Mm -hmm. It makes all the rest of this stuff outside of us work. So being able to listen to our gut is your next point here, Mm -hmm. which is how do we do that? How do we build a healthy inner relationship? Take time for yourself. Mm -hmm. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, just on your last point, which leads to this so beautifully is how domesticated we've become right? Like we're so domesticated. We're so conditioned to like be in our comfy little boxes with our, all of our technology and constant distractions and anything to sort of take us out of our bodies and, and to disconnect from ourselves, right? So we're like connecting, but we're disconnected all the time. And so reconnecting is really stepping outside of that domestication like you're talking about animals i mean there's such a beautiful example it's just a reason why i live in the forest right because most of my time is spent outside walking in the forest like that's where i feel the most alive and connected and if we all took more time to be in nature to be just with ourselves to just be quiet and let our bodies speak to us we would feel more human again you know and so much of our world is just constructed around distraction now and we're losing our way you know we're losing our way because we're living in our heads like we're talking about like putting chips in our heads now and you know whatever some people think that's a great idea i'm not going to be doing that (laughs) um i don't i don't need a virtual world to live in i have a real world to live in you know there's real you know animals and plants to tend to i don't need Um, to live in some crazy metaverse, you know, and whatever, like there's multiple sides to this, but I just think it's interesting how we're always looking for escape instead of just being with ourselves. Like we don't have the capacity to be in our bodies anymore. Mm -hmm. And so how can we really be with another person? How can we have the capacity to hear each other's stories? Like what you and I are doing now Like imagine people who don't take the time to be quiet with themselves or they haven't taken the time to feel their past and, you know, their traumas. You wouldn't be able to listen to my stories and to empathize and and to ask the questions that you're asking unless you had gone into those things for yourself. And so it's like deepening our capacity to be with ourselves deepens our capacity to be with others. It's just a given. So if we want to have like you're talking about a healthier world, where we can have conversations again and be curious instead of defensive, and you know ask big questions, then we have to be able to do that within ourselves too.
2: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. Facts. It's, it's again. It seems so simple. We know that this yeah. requires work, but you know, right now we are existing in a time where we are not. For most people, they are never by themselves. Like, yeah. There's always in the moments that you're alone to just be, to just just be. Yeah. We got a device, right? You know, you don't just sit there anymore. We pick up our phones, mm-hmm. and you know, the crazy thing is, again, like life imitating art, or art imitating life. Mm-hmm. But some things are kind of foreshadowed, and it's com- becoming more apparent. Yeah. Like you know, I mentioned you know, like Neo earlier, just a little <laughs> joke, but seriously. Yeah. We're in a way. Jacked into the matrix. When you pick up that phone, you are leaving reality and Mm -hmm. you're going into this false reality. That is, in in every sense of the word, it is false. It's it's not. It's like a fraction of the truth, the bigness of things, and you get like a version of of reality that is out pictured to you. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is a huge issue, especially for our children, because they're growing up in this. Mm And it's not an accident that we are in a state that we're in where we're so disconnected. Like we have epidemics of depression. We have epidemics of every chronic disease you can name. Like these things just didn't exist mm-hmm. decades ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so it's all hand in hand. We can't target one specific thing, but this is definitely a big part. So taking time for yourself. Um, how can we how can we do that though? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, for example, live in the forest. Yeah. So you can go and get You know, shout out to Shinrin Yoku, Mm -hmm. which is uh, forest bathing. Mm -hmm. We've got some great peer-reviewed evidence Mm -hmm. on how healing and supportive of healthy genetic expression Mm -hmm. being in nature is, right? Mm -hmm. Forest bathing, Yeah. right? So what if we don't have that? That's not a part of our life. What can we start to do to be with ourselves?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have this meditation that I created. It's called the Healing Your Inner Child Meditation, And it was a meditation that I took myself through for like a year when I was learning how to self-soothe and feel more secure in myself. Um, And that's free. Like you just get it on my website. That's actually one way to practice. If it's really foreign for you to slow down and be in your body or you feel panic at the idea, then, you know, listen to a guided audio or, you know, go on YouTube and find a guided audio. And put on your headphones and just actually practice that way. Like that's okay to do. Um, I always suggest finding ways to date yourself, you know, like go for a meal on your own or prepare a meal for yourself. If you're on your own, you know, if you only cook nice meals when you have guests, like what would it be like to just cook a nice meal for yourself or, you know, bring home a flower for yourself, you know, Um, and to really romance yourself again, really like provide that, that nurturing base within your own heart and another thing is actually bringing in plants into your space i mean obviously we know that that's really good for air quality and all of that But you know plants really do resonate at a pretty high frequency they respond to loving energy or to negative energy and they thrive in a space of love and i invite people to you know bring nature into your home if you live in a city and you don't have nature around you like bring in some plants you know and and bring that around you so that at least you can have that connection. It's just like the little things that we can do uh to reconnect and and to be okay with, you know, sometimes being on our own and not distracting from it, mm-hmm. but really learning how to enjoy it. And it's hard to do that when we're suppressing a lot of pain. And so there's also this process of taking it very slow. Like if you're in the process of going to therapy and going through some of your deepest wounds, For a time, it might be hard for you to be alone. Maybe you need to be with people all the time in order to feel okay. You know, uh, maybe you just need to try going for a walk on your own, you know, and that's as far as you can get, which is fine. Um, You you build your capacity as you go.
0: Got a quick break coming up, we'll be right back. Very often it's the small things that can make the greatest impact. Archimedes said, if you give me a lever and a place to stand, I can move the world. It's all about leverage. It's all about positionality. And the same thing holds true when it comes to human health and performance. It is truly honoring the things that give us the greatest leverage. No process can happen in the human body without this remarkable sodium-potassium pump. This exchange helps our mitochondria to create fuel. This exchange helps our heart to beat. This exchange helps all of our brain cells to communicate. Nothing is taking place without electrolytes. Electrolytes are minerals that carry an electric charge and also we've got mountains of peer-reviewed evidence as to their efficacy with every single area of human health. For example, our cognitive ability depends mightily on the function of electrolytes. Take sodium for example. Not only is sodium required to help to maintain fluid balance in your brain itself, a study conducted by researchers at McGill University found that sodium functions as a literal on-off switch in the brain for specific neurotransmitters that support optimal function and protect the brain against numerous diseases, like epilepsy, like neuropathic pain. How simple, how foundational, how much leverage we can get from making sure that we're getting adequate amounts of the right type of sodium. Fascinating new study published in the journal Neuron found that another remarkable electrolyte, essential electrolyte, magnesium is able to restore critical brain plasticity and improve cognitive function. Truly, we can fight so hard, so mightily to find nutrients, specific foods that can help to bolster our cognitive performance. But it really boils down, first and foremost, to leverage. And our electrolytes are that leverage. Now, what about the immune system? This is something that is on a lot of people's minds today. Well, the meta-analysis publishing the Annals of Clinical Biochemistry titled, Electrolyte Imbalances in Patients with Severe Coronavirus Disease, COVID-19. It analyzed five studies with nearly 1,500 patients with COVID-19 and found that both sodium and potassium, another critical electrolyte, were significantly lower in patients with severe COVID-19. Now, this should raise a lot of flags. This should raise up our antennas understand, hey, what's going on here with our electrolytes? Is electrolyte deficiency leading to worse health outcomes? Severity with COVID-19? Or is COVID-19 and any infectious disease requiring electrolytes for the healing process for an appropriate immune response to be mounted? The answer is it's both. And the answer is we've got to ensure that we're getting high quality electrolytes in the right ratios. This is why myself and my family utilizes Element, L-M-N-T. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model, and you're going to get to try Element for free. They're going to send it right to your door. Just pay a little bit in shipping. You get to try a variety pack of Element. This remarkable electrolyte is not coming along with any binders and fillers and artificial colors and flavors, no sugar, any of that stuff. Just the high-quality electrolytes that you need to thrive, right? So check them out. Again, it's getting shipped right to your door. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model and get your electrolytes optimized today. Now, back to the show. Before we go any further, I also want to mention that we have a furry friend here. Yes. Just in case anybody hears any (laughs) tiptoeing along, you have Bodie here with us. Yes. So just share a little bit about Bodhi.
1: Oh, I could talk all day about Bodhi. Bodhi's my eight pound Malshi. He's a Shih Tzu Maltese. And he is a nervous system healer. And I say, I think it was uh, Tim Ferriss who said like getting a dog was the best thing he ever did for his mental health. Like he's talked about it on his podcast too. And um, I have not experienced anything like the bond that I have with this little guy. He's very connected very aware and he's such a mirror of energy
0: this is nuts literally <laughs> bodhi's been laying here with his head down for the past 20 minutes as soon as we started this conversation just stared right into my soul yeah. just looked up at me it's so that's bananas
1: i i really i know this sounds so funny but i think he's a reincarnated monk and the funny thing is is that uh, apparently shih tzus were temple dogs in Tibet. And it's interesting because the moment I picked him up, he was four weeks old and I held him. The moment I held him, his name came, it was Bodhi right away. And I just knew there was something special about him. Like all of his siblings are bonkers. It's really interesting. And he's, he like doesn't bark. He's just in a Zen space most of the time, except for if you're playing, you know, ball or stick. And I'm going to say that quietly. And he's just such a good friend to me. And having animals that we can connect with and bond with is such a beautiful relationship and it's such a natural thing for us humans like to be in relationship with animals and one thing that I've noticed in having a dog is when you have a dog and you're walking down the street everybody wants to talk to you and I always think isn't it strange that when we're walking down the street without one nobody talks to us but when we have an animal with us everybody and so they're just like an opener you know, and so it's like if you're feeling lonely, and you and you can have a, a pet, like a little dog or something, that's a really great way to actually get to know the community. It's a great way to make friends, and and even just going, you know, little dog meetups and stuff, <laughs> which I I do. <laughs>
0: uh, oh my goodness! You know, you just I never thought about that before. That is so true. Yeah. You know, I see people walking along. I'm, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm an observer for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I see folks and, you know, there's a, there's a dog temperament. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a certain state that our pets can have as well. And you see two people walking opposite directions with their pets and they're about to meet. Yeah. And the dogs, they're going for each other to yeah. check each other out, you know, but then sure enough, the dog uh, parents start talking to each yeah. other as well, Yeah. which would not have happened had they not had their dogs along with mm-hmm. them. That's really remarkable. That's yeah. really remarkable. Really I don't know so if it's long. like a signal, like I I have the capacity to love, yeah, or whatever it might be. You know, I'm I have the capacity to be open and friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like you said, it's like a a sign. But this point of being able to take time for yourself. Another little insight I want to add is that we, if we can just remove the the seducer mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, which is our phone. Yeah. I find a strategy, you know, for me it's in the morning, mm-hmm. which I've seen myself, I I know about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But if I am hopping for like I'm just let me just knock this thing out real quick first thing in the morning, it pulls me into the portal yeah. versus like literally I leave my phone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't touch it. Because once I even touch it, like it's just like the neurochemistry there, that neuroassociation is there. So maybe it's first thing in the morning, you know, you just don't pick up your phone for 30 minutes. Or you know, some folks literally just like leave it in their car. Mm -hmm. You know, I one of my friends, when he would get home in the evening, he would just leave his phone in the car. That's smart. You know, to be because he knew, yeah. And he was getting pulled away. He had a growing family. He had like four kids now. Yeah. And he saw that the disruption that it that it created. So if you want healthier relationships with yourself and others, we can put this device like. You know, find a creative way to give yourself some time without it.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Ben and I talked about, you know, when we're like, we're traveling right now. So we just need a phone all the time. And I don't want to leave without a phone. I'll get lost. But, you know, when we're home, just having, you know, that one day a week on Sundays where, you know, Saturday night, you put your phone in a drawer and you lock it and you don't see it again until Monday. Um, And just having those intentional times where you detox from social. Because it can be a lot. And, you know, I'm the same. Like I know all of this stuff and yet it's so easy to get pulled in,
2: you know.
0: Our our brains is as awesome as they might be. This technology is so great at looping us in. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so seductive to our, to our chemistry. So I want to ask you about this one. So another ingredient here, a healthy relationship, inner relationship. We, we talked about building confidence and self-trust taking time for yourself. You've got several others, but I want to hit on a couple more. One of them is giving your emotions a voice.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they've they've shown in studies that if we just name our emotions, we feel more empowered. Like in, in raising children, if you can teach your child just to say, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling angry, they feel more confident as a human being. So just naming our emotions gives us more empowerment. And I think it's kind of important to Focus on that as adults because most of us didn't get that education, that emotional intelligence training. And so most of us are still growing up our inner child. Like we're learning as we go here. Like, you know, for those of us who are parenting, we're, you know, we're creating a whole new story for new generations, but we're also learning as we go. And being able to feel the difference between a sensation in the body and an emotion. So again, it's another more self-aware, empowering tool for being present, right? Because we can, we can go, okay, so I'm feeling, you know, some tightness in my chest, you know, I'm feeling like a little bit of heat in my stomach or in my face, you know, and what I'm feeling is fear or anger or shame, you know, and just being able to name that and then being able to breathe through that and ask like, okay, well, what does my body need right now in order to feel safe? you know, really tuning in deeper. Because so often when we're activated or when we're feeling big emotions, we do everything we can to offload them right away. A great example of this is driving. You look at a lot of people driving, there's a lot of tension and anger and projection going on on the road. People are honking at each other and swearing at each other and yelling and it's just chaos. And you're just like, whoa, what's going on out here? Like, what's happening? And that's this offloading of energy rather than taking responsibility for what we're feeling internally because we're so used to especially in conflict you know just blaming or you know making it the other person's fault or just like take this energy i'm just going to throw it at you so that i don't have to feel it versus being centered and feeling like okay i'm actually feeling you know angry or frustrated because i want to be heard and here's what i'm actually trying to, to say you know or here's what i actually need from you right now and that takes maturity to be able to do that and so none of us get it right all of the time of course yeah. but it's a practice
0: facts mm-hmm. and by the way maturity is den- is not denoted by age no that is an important realization for us to have you know because we think for example um you know once a child reaches a certain age you know then they're legal legally able to do fill in the blank. That doesn't mean that they're mature enough to do something effectively or safely or intelligently, but that carries off into deep into adulthood. You know, we could be 60 years old still doing the same patterns as, you know, we had when we were 12. Yeah. You know, our same responses or our same, you know, lack of being able to self-assess, whatever the case might be. So maturity is again not denoted by age we can all get a little bit more mature and still have playfulness and you know still have the childlike energy yeah but i think even maturity can have a negative connotation because mm-hmm. of that like mm-hmm. i don't want to be mature you know <laughs> it's just like maturity is being able to self regulate totally you know yeah. and to be empowered and another one of these ingredients and this is this one right here another ingredient for a healthy inner relationship With yourself is forgiving your past selves
1: yeah i mean so many of us are still punishing ourselves for the things that we've done in the past you know we're not letting ourselves off the hook or we're making ourselves too responsible and this can happen when we're on the healing journey too right we're like i'm going to take responsibility for my healing and therefore i am you know at fault for everything that happened to me it can go into these you know different degrees of extremism And what we have to remember is that every single version of you brought you to where you are now. And that's such a blessing. You know, what a gift to be in this time and have the capacity and the privilege to heal, right? Not everybody gets that opportunity. And so it's really an invitation to make the most of it, make the most of this life. You know, if you're being invited to deepen in love and connection, you know, that's a blessing. And we have to remember that every single you know, experience that we've had or a failure that we've endured, there was a lesson there. And so the best thing that we can do is to really, you know, have our eyes open and be awake. And what was the lesson there? You know, what was the medicine there? You know, is there somebody that I need to repair with? Do I just need to repair within myself and really honor those versions we were doing the best that we could. Right? Like if I look at my history, like, oh my goodness, you know, the the person that I was, 20 years ago or you know 15 years ago when i'm just like coming out of this like street kid life or you know being in an abusive relationship where i'm just fighting to survive you know that person said and did a lot of things you know that i i feel guilt for if i don't give myself permission to grow you know if we we can't see other people growing for holding on to a stagnant version of themselves you know that's really limiting we have to do that in relationship too it's like how many people do you know who are married who think they know everything about their spouse or their partner like a good example would be you know one time ben and i were waiting outside of a sushi restaurant to pick up takeout and then they gave her her order and uh there was something on the menu that she didn't recognize and she said there's no way this is my order my husband didn't order that he always orders this and I get it. Like, you know, we, we're used to our partner's patterns, of course. And so, you know, I could have easily been that person. But it, what it taught me in that moment is how fixed we are on knowing a person and not expecting them to change. Right. So sometimes people change and then we don't even see it. And they've grown and they've transformed. And we're still holding on to that per- past version of them. And we do that to ourselves sometimes too internally. You know, so we've we've really got to practice that allowance and that being a witness to the transformation that's possible.
0: Yeah. This is so good. So mm-hmm. good. Um this one is especially powerful because we imprison ourselves, really, we imprison ourselves. And you know, especially if you start there's a there's a like a trap door when you start working on yourself. Yeah. And you start pointing out and seeing all of those things from your past and like you said you can have guilt and shame around those things. That process of of forgiveness, you know, it's it, just like with, if you're forgiving someone else, it's, let's actually, let's talk about that mm-hmm. too. Let's talk about that right after, you know, this, but it it is lifting a weight off of you. Like we don't realize we're carrying around like an anchor, mm-hmm. you know, when we are judging ourselves so harshly and not understanding this again extends to other people that we did the best we could with the knowledge that we had at the time. You know, and with updated knowledge that we have now, looking back on past situations, that will create all kinds of negative emotions. Mm -hmm. You know? And so just understanding that and being at peace with that and also looking at the opportunity we have now. Like, okay, because all truly, like a lot of the stuff that it ends up being a really good story. You know, all the crazy stuff that we might have done or been through, you know, and it's connective tissue for other people. But I want to ask you about this because Some people can't even fathom forgiving someone who hurt them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Let's talk about that forgiveness Mm -hmm. of others as being something necessary for ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Forgiveness is such a loaded topic. And what I like to remind people is that forgiveness is for you, not for them. Like when we're holding on to resentment and to anger, it is physically destroying us. Like it's actually hurting our health. And it's hurting our psyche. And when we're holding on to anger and resentment and to the pain that we endured from the past, we can't open our hearts to the future. We can't trust love. We can't trust ourselves. Because deep down we believe, you know, there's something that we did to deserve that or that, you know, it's our fault. So we have to forgive ourselves and others. And there are times where acceptance is more of an accurate term. You know, there are some things that... Are hard to forgive you know like i I wrote about this in my book actually because i talk about forgiveness a lot but you know when i look at my grandmother who i barely know but i know what she's done you know and i see her as someone who basically took away my mother's life with the abuse it's hard for me to forgive that i can accept it i can accept that that happened but it's really really hard for me to forgive you know and so there are some of these moments where you know maybe we're going to be working on that pattern you know maybe there's like something in our lineage where we we're going to be undoing that for a while and we have to accept our reality in order to create something new right mm-hmm. so if we're in resistance to reality the story is not changing and that's why it's so liberating to move through the anger let ourselves feel it let ourselves really unleash you know I have like a letter ritual in my book where you just write a letter and you say all the angry stuff and you can burn it or bury it. You have to move through the anger and let yourself feel that righteousness before you're ready to soften. Right? We can't just bypass to softening. But eventually we need to get to this place where we're willing to reopen ourselves to love and to trust again. And that's ultimately why forgiveness is so important. Right? So we don't want to be stuck in, in that purgatory of our own hatred and our own pain forever it's not a nice place to be and the truth is is we're actually giving those people more power right because i see everything as energy so the more time and energy i spend thinking about that person or sending them you know hate or anger the more i'm feeding them versus you know what you don't deserve any more of my energy and you know, i'm going to move through this and i'm going to take my energy back to me that's just so much more empowering.
0: <sighs> I'm just. This is. I'm mad right now. <laughs> just like, you know, I'm just wanting to pull back that energy that would go to whatever. You know, obviously, a lot of people are angry right now as well. Yeah. It's an energy that's going out, and it's not that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that this is energy, yes, and to maybe recalibrate that, invest the energy into something that you do want, you know, more of that. Mm. And I think that that's really left out of the conversation. We've done several shows and kind of pointing people in this direction. Uh, One of the great ones, we'll put it for folks in the show notes, was with Michael Beckwith Mm. and having this conversation about create, okay, you're upset about how the world is right now. What do you want it to look like? If you had the opportunity to create the world in the way that you see fit, that serves all of us what would that look like mm-hmm. start to create that vision invest some of your time and energy in creating the vision of what your family would look like yeah. you know what do you want your family life to look like you know and having the opportunity to do that we have that capacity and we're so powerful too once we get clarity on something it's almost miraculous how stuff starts to happen in that direction mm-hmm. so you know this this is so powerful you know this and i love that you ta- brought in acceptance as well, mm-hmm. because I think we can get caught up even in the label of the word yeah. forgiveness yeah. might be, you know, it might be too much. Totally. You know? Sometimes so it is. a lot of words have a, a, a lot of energy behind them, you know? And so it doesn't have to be one flavor of the thing. I'm going to ask you about one more of these, which again, the book is just wonderful and just bringing all these, like just page after page, I'm, it's just like hitting things, experiences <laughs> that I've had and being able to give a voice to them. And another one of these for creating a healthy inner relationship is staying true to your values.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's talk yeah. about that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, core values is a really fundamental piece of who we are, right? If we know what we value, then we know what to say yes and what to say no to. And that reflects our environment how we treat ourselves, how we treat other people, how our relationships to our bodies and to the planet look, it's everything. And so, many of us don't ask ourselves, what do we value? We don't know. And so, a lot of times in relationship, we're actually just behaving like animals. Right? Mm. We like get turned on by somebody and then we pursue it because we feel turned on. Right? We find somebody attractive and they, you know, they turn a light on for us and so we pursue that as if that's the end all be all and entering into conscious relationship space that might just be one piece right of course attraction and chemistry is important right we want to feel attraction and chemistry with our partner but that's just one value right you know sensuality or chemistry it's one value what about genuine authenticity right what about being integral And being kind, right? What about being disciplined or generous, right? Like these are things that I know are important to me. They're probably important to you. And we all have different values. Some of us have, you know, high scientific values. Some of us have high spirituality values, religious values, right? And so if we're going to get clear on who we are as a person, then we can say, okay, well, you know, here's what I value. You know, what do you value? You know, and do these values align? Like, can we walk a path together or is it not a match? And when we're doing more than just listening to our bodies get turned on, you know, when we're dating or in relationship, we're following more than just that roller coaster rush of emotions or that honeymoon phase. Then we're slowing down to enter this space of, like I said before, negotiation, where you can really get to know each other and negotiate a relationship and how that relationship's going to look instead of just falling into it and hoping that it turns out the way you're imagining. You know, maybe you guys both have completely different realities of how relationships should look, but you didn't talk about that, you know? So it's important that we take that time. And so when we've gone through a cycle of breakups or relationship patterns that are exhausting for us, we want to return to the values and say, okay, well, what values was I prioritizing in that relationship? And for a lot of us, it's like something physical, you know, or, you know, there's like affection, you know, we, we, we value affection. And so maybe that was the only thing that was there, but there was all these other things in the way that made it an unhealthy relationship to be in. So what are the values that we prioritize? You know, what are the, we have to have these in order to have a relationship with someone versus these are the nice to haves, or this is part of what makes me me. And I'm open to somebody who. And maybe doesn't share that value. It's really getting clear.
0: This is it's. This one is m- probably the most practical of <laughs> like help you to avoid drama in your yeah. life. One, <laughs> you know. But again, we tend to suppress that. You know, like our gut is just like, you know, they're not aligned with your values. Yeah. You know, which first of all, getting clear on what your values are. You know, so for for me, if I value honesty and integrity, authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, honor mm-hmm. honor is it's just that word itself just like really resonates with me yeah and I see you know maybe there's a, another couple that don't have those same values like red flag alert if we're still going to you know move forward in having them in our lives and they don't operate by the same you know the same value code it's just a matter of time mm-hmm. before you know some, some drama is going to happen yeah Versus, like you see the 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 that the value isn't aligned. You know, maybe it's uh, honesty. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's honesty. You see some dis dishonesty behavior between them two. Maybe mm-hmm. not even you know with you directly. You're like, you know what? That's let, let me step away. Yeah. Instead of again acting like it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. stay true to your values. Mm-hmm. It's gonna save you a lot of heartache and drama, and. You know, dissonance, unnecessary dissonance later on. Yeah. So this one is super important and super practical. And
1: That's noticing when our values can get out of balance too. Like mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. One of my top core values is generosity. Like I live by the rule of abundance. I love to give. I love to give to other people. I, I love to give money. I love to give gifts. I, I just want to give energy. And in my history, that core value when out of balance has turned into overgiving and caretaking, right? So we also knowing our core values, we can sometimes if we're like, I don't know what my core value is, we can look at some of the ways that we get out of balance and we say, oh, maybe I've been out of balance in that way, because actually this is something that really matters to me. And how can I bring this value into balance so that it's more self-loving for me and the person on the other end can receive it in a healthier way? Right So it's actually looking at our relationship histories and our patterns and where we may have sort of fallen into a pattern that didn't feel quite aligned, where we can actually see, oh, these are the things that actually matter to me, right This is what drew me in because I care about that, and I know that I want that, and I want it to be also paired with respect, you know, admiration, trust, you know, can't just have one
0: so awesome. Mm-hmm. This you man, this is so good because our values can like you can like for example, if my value is honesty mm-hmm. and I take that to an unhealthy extreme where I'm just out here honest <laughs> with everybody, your feet are too f-ing big like you're 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 a girl like how are you how you wear a size you know thirteen or whatever like i'm just I'm just being honest, you mm-hmm. know like that can go to an unhealthy place, mm-hmm. you know where I start to have um harsh judgment for others you know or you know maybe i'm being hypercritical of myself Mm -hmm. you know and all of these things you know again it's just having a healthy balance like that is my value but i don't want to live it to the extent that i'm alienating myself and other people constantly you know that's just ridiculous you know so and i've seen it happen before you know and of course there are folks who who do that like you know they just say the thing you know and they feel it's like an entitlement kind of like i could just say whatever i want do whatever i want but especially on the internet today, yeah by the way yes because in the real world you can get you know you can face repercussions for that very mm-hmm. quickly especially where i'm from you mm-hmm. know and so there's a natural kind of weeding out of behavior like that but on the internet it's kind of activated some people's darkest like S- sentiments of entitlement to where they can just say and do and, and the crazy thing and i know you've dealt with this but like the sweetest most incredible people people just say the most wild shit to them mm-hmm. it's just like you know but it's and also here's the thing too it exists in all of us yep you know like we are capable of the most heinous thing we might think like i would never you know i would never take a life mm-hmm. for example what if someone was trying to take the life of the person you cherish most in mm-hmm. this world, and it was it like you it was a choice, yeah, you know, like we start to create a context where, hey, yeah, like the thing that I feel I would never do, there's a context where it's possible, yes and for us to understand that and also understand for me, I like to point people to we are capable of the most beautiful, wonderful things as well, even people who have these qualities that you might not agree with, they have so much beauty and potential in them as well, you know, and it starts to create this. Unity, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, but for that to even happen, we've got to be more mature. Yeah. We've got to become the one. Yeah. And this is your book right here, Becoming the One. Mm -hmm. Everybody pick up a copy like yesterday. And it's a wonderful, it's an experience to read, you know, like I feel like I know you so much better. And, you know, it's just exciting because I know that this is a book that we need right now, you know, to work on ourselves you know, to be happy within ourselves. So what, before I let you go, yeah. what, what drove you? Because I know it's a, it's a compelling thing when you want to write a book. Mm-hmm. What compelled you to write this book right now?
1: Well, I've wanted to write a book since I could write. You know, I've been writing since I was like three years old. Uh, but there was just something in me. And it happened, I think I started writing about a year and a half ago now. There was just something in me that felt it was time. And what I didn't realize was that when I said yes to the book deal, it wasn't going to feel the way that I thought I was going to feel. It was such an initiation. I was so confronted um, because it means so much to me. You know, writing is my art. You know, it's how I connect with spirit and it's how I tell stories and it's healing for me too. So it was a really intense process. You know, I spent about six months just sort of in in the liminal space getting ready and the reason that i wanted to write this is because i know what it's like to live with a closed heart i know what it's like to be terrified to be vulnerable i know what it's like to not trust love you know i was like afraid of men until i was like 17 years old because of my history so and I also know the beauty on the other side. I am living this life with this amazing partner and this wonderful, you know, family members, pet family member, and, you know, feeling so connected to my community and to the land that feeds me. And I want that experience for everyone because I think we don't realize how short life is or that it's actually really the only thing that matters in the end is love. Like, I genuinely pray that every single person who, has the desire will experience love and family in some form in this life. I think that's really what we need to get back to. And I wanted this book to be an opening for that and to have other people see themselves in my stories, to feel like they're not alone. Yeah.
0: Can you tell people where they can find the book and also get more of you and your Mm -hmm. amazing community?
1: So risingwoman.com slash BTO book is the book page. Um, and risingwoman.com and shalinaayana.com are my websites. And a lot of my writing is on Instagram too. So it's at risingwoman and at shalinaayana. And uh, I have a YouTube channel as well where I'm you know, putting up some video content and things like that from time to time. That's where you can find me. And the book will be available everywhere. It'll be available in all the bookstores, major bookstores, and of course online and Amazon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate you so much. You know, you're just, you're a magical person, you know, and um, you, you're you even on an adventure right now, even mm-hmm. coming here. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful to be significant mm-hmm. in your life for you to be here with me today. And I want everybody to pick up Becoming the One right now, Again, everywhere books are sold. And thank you for coming to hang out with me.
1: Thanks so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be back with you. And I love you and Anne so much. You know, I admire both of you and I admire you for your story and everything that you have been through. And yeah, I just, I see a lot of myself in you as well. And I'm just so happy that you have a wonderful family and that you're creating this life. It's really beautiful.
0: Awesome. They say real, recognize real. So awesome. Shalina, Ayana, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. As always, this is about application, not just whimsical hypotheses and theories, but practical application of the things that we learn to really create a healthy inner relationship. Because as it said, your outer world is a direct reflection of your inner world. So working on adding in some of these pieces of cultivating this healthy inner relationship and utilizing resources that we have access to today. And she goes through a tremendous amount of of insights and exercises in the book, but most importantly, even just what you picked up today, you know, having some time to yourself, all right, today is probably one of the most valuable things that we can do because we're constantly getting pulled in all these different directions and being pulled into this virtual world, and this literally, this has never existed before in our evolution as a species, this is a brand new thing, our brains have not sorted out this relationship yet, and we can see that to the degree that we are often For most folks, if we're going to admit it, we are addicted to our devices. It's very difficult for us to go any length of time without them. So helping to break free of that to get more in touch with not just the real, quote, real world on the outside, but the real world inside of ourselves, which is truly, this is the most important universe that we could ever access. So I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Again, if you did, please share this out with your friends and family on social media. You can tag me, I'm at Sean Model and tag at Rising Woman. What an incredible community. Definitely follow that page. And we've got some amazing epic guests and special masterclasses coming your way very soon. So make sure to stay tuned.